Good morning. This has the Bible on it. That's the excuse for all people carrying a cell phone in church. I actually have a translation of the Bible on it. Actually, not this morning. It's for me to look at the time, actually. <laughs> I don't want to keep you here all day. But I want you to plan on staying until about 1.30. You can call ahead. Make plans with those you need to. We're going to get into it today. Well, I get to, uh, I'll be joining you, I guess, for the next uh, three Sundays and um, talking about uh, one scripture in general, but a few different takes on it. Um, And the scripture uh, that I'm going to use this morning and the direction of the next three weeks is going to be the passage from Proverbs 22.6, and I think we can put that on the screen. Um, And... Proverbs 22.6 says this in the NIV version. It says, start children off on the way they should go, and even when they're old, they won't turn from it. Um, Kind of a more modern version, the message. I like what the message has to say. It says, point your kids in the right direction, and when they're old, they won't be lost. So the next few Sundays, we're going to be looking at the wisdom of this passage. We're going to be exploring what it might be saying to all of us, because I, I truly believe that this verse and passage speaks to all the generations. This isn't just for parents with kids in the house right now. This is for everybody. Um, So before we get going, I'd like to just pray quickly. Join me. Lord, I pray that you would help us to find passion and purpose in you. Help us where we're an example to young people and the people around us. We're examples of strength and help us in our examples of weakness that we may be found in you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, this whole passage, you know, I've seen so many takes on it. I've seen so many people spin this and use it in all different kinds of things, in all different kinds of ways, um, even as a guilt, kind of a tool of guilt at times. And, you know, I really don't believe it's that. Um, Matthew Henry's commentary uh, interprets it this way. Um, It's interesting. It says, train your children not in the way they would go, that of their corrupt hearts, but in the way they should go, in which if you love them, you'd have them go. And then it goes on, and this is the part that I love about it. It says, as soon as possible, every child should be led to the saving knowledge of the Savior. Um, That doesn't feel too threatening to me. That doesn't make me stand on my heels and make me feel like, oh my gosh, I'm a horrible parent. Gives me some encouragement. It gives me a pretty clear direction in the way that I should go. It says, as soon as possible, teach your kids about the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. That's awesome. If we get that done in our lifetime, man, we're amazing. God's amazing. The end of the commentary sounds a lot to me like the Great Commission, doesn't it? Not just to kids, but to everybody. Tell everybody about Christ. Spread it all over the world, even the kids. Tell them all. Um, But some questions come up when we talk about this, about how do we all fit into this, and what's the relevance of this message for the generations. And I would say this, um, it's everybody has something to contribute. Every generation has something to contribute to the generations before them. Very important. What does the younger generation need to find the saving knowledge of Jesus, and how can we help? Well, we're going to look at these things. 
We're going to look at, next Sunday we're going to hear from some of these kids. We're going to hear some of the things that they have to say about what they need. Not what we tell them they need, but really from their hearts, what do they need? Um, we're going to be, um, in, in order to help them, and in order to really spread this gospel, um, we have to be constantly ready to change. Um, it hasn't been, well, it's only been the last maybe year and a half that I've come to understand this term, uh, change anxiety. I've never understood it before, because I have always run the ragged edge on everything I've done, had lots of energy to do it, been out there just going, 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 going. Change never bothered me. I didn't know why it bothered anybody else. I can't, I can't believe it bothers you. Let's just roll with it. And then things changed in my life really dramatically in the last year, health-wise. And as, as those changes came, I realized what change anxiety was. It hit me really hard. It was great, though, because it's been a great lesson. Um, but in order to change, we need to understand our current culture. As much as we want to deny that, as much as we want to turn our back on it, we've got to understand it or we can't minister in it because we don't know what we're talking about. And so when we start talking about young people and directing them in the way that they should go, pointing them in the right direction towards Jesus, we have to understand that environment and that culture a little bit. We don't have to necessarily immerse ourselves in it, but we do have to understand it. We do have to know what's going on. We can't shut ourselves in and shut the rest of the world off. You know, it's sad that a lot of churches shut themselves in, they shut themselves off to the way the rest of the world's going, and they become irrelevant very quickly, and they empty out, and that's the end. you got to know what's going on. We have to know what's going on so we know how to minister, and it works that way with our students. Um, like I said, next Sunday we'll be looking at what our students say about the influences in their lives and what they need. We need to remember that we're called to deliver this is a really great word. We're called to deliver a multi-generational message. A message from all levels. Not just peer-to-peer, student-to-student, youth leader-to-student, but grandmother and grandfather to son and daughter to son and daughter and on down the chain. We're called to deliver this hope in Jesus Christ, this message. We're called to do it. God calls us to do it. Um, we have to remember that regardless of age or circumstance or position, as a member of this family of God, of the family of God, all kids are our kids. I had to type that out a lot of times. All kids are our, our kids. I was like, Whew. but you know what? Isn't that the truth? Like, we're never done. Like, I have just found myself in the last five years, like, sitting down on the couch after a long day with my kids, looking at Krista going, I'm never done. I am never done. Crying the blues. People throw their shoes in the doorway. I pick them up. Why do you guys just set trash, a trash bag in the garage, the cans just around the corner? Like, all of these things that I thought were so trivial, now that I'm a parent, let me preach to the choir for a second. Uh, I'm just kidding. No, but now, <laughs> now that I'm a parent of four girls, which don't like to get their feet wet or their feet cold or even put on shoes to go take the garbage out, now I know why they set it in the garage, because I will go and throw it in the garbage. I will put on my slippers, and I will go. Anyway. Um, we got to remember that we all have something to contribute. As members of the family of God, we're all children of God, and all the kids belong to us. I mean, we're all part of it. 
And you know, some people say, I don't do kids, I don't do kids. And you know how that, that hurts me? Um, it hurts me because if you don't do kids, you're missing out on part of who God is. It's an important part. He wants to show you some things about who he is and about his great love for us through these kids, through the eyes of a child. Some people uh, look at it and just go, my time has passed. I don't think so. I think there's still something there to offer. You know, when I was growing up, um, some of the most amazing people in my life were much, 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 much older than me. Um, and then I could go on about names and everything else. I don't, I don't want to go into all of that. But, you know, there's something so compelling and amazing about having a relationship when you're a younger person with someone who has a deep faith in Christ. There is something amazing for a young person to have a relationship, a friendship, with somebody who is deeply rooted in Christ. And I had a few of those in my life, and I'll never forget the time I spent with them. I'll never forget the things that they taught me. You know, it's interesting, when you cross paths with somebody who you know has swam in the deep water with God and actually survived, you want to hang with that person. I don't know about you, I sure do. I have a few in my life that I can still call today. Sadly enough, one just passed away a while ago. Went to be with the Lord. Amen. But you know what? Where I am today, I still have some of those older saints, much older, that I can call on and say, hey, this is where I'm at. And you know what I love about it? Some of the most comforting words have come from those older saints. Things like, oh yeah, I've been there. We made it. Oh yeah, that happened. Happened around me, in our family. Happened to me at work. Happened to me in relationships. Yeah, I made it. You know, the greatest part of it is when I made it and the story comes, comes out this way. Christ helped me and I made it and he made me a better person for it and you're going to make it too. Do you know how encouraging that is for a young person to hear somebody older say to them, you are okay, you're going to make it, I made it too, and Jesus did it. Man, talk about spreading the gospel it's, that's a gospel in itself right there. Everybody has a story. Um, there's inspiration and there's endearment in those relationships. There's a lot of those saints right here today. And think of the power of your stories. Think of the power of your stories, what you've been through. You know, growing up in my house, we didn't share a lot. We weren't real out, you know, in the open people. When we had the family argument... Seemed like the curtains closed, and my dad, all he could say was, shh, we don't want the whole neighborhood to know what we're fighting about. Did you ever have those? <laughs> it was a different era. Then we popped out the door to go to church, and everybody was smiling and dressed properly, and people thought, wow, the Beerans, what a normal, perfect family they might be. No way. There's some saints right here that can help other people with their stories. Young people or younger people because it gets passed down. And that's what we hope for. Um, in regards to our kids, you know, think about kids today. We, our kids are excellent in so many things. They're excellent in music, in sports, in art, in dance, in academics, and technology. And all these things come with a price. It's, the price is time. And our kids are excellent at it. Go to Kamiak High School. You know, I was at the Kamiak basketball game the other night, 
and I was looking at the program, uh, and they, I'm not going to mention the other school we were playing, but Kamiak was playing another school, and on one half of the program it said, a little star talked about which kids had a very high grade point average. And I looked at it, and just about every kid on that Kamiak roster had the little asterisk saying, high grade point average. I think it was 3.5 or above. And on the other half, I didn't see any. And you know, you think about it, our kids are excellent at academics. They're striving for it, we're pushing them. Um, our kids, we have some beautiful musicians in this church, young kids, you, you wouldn't believe their talent. But you know what? Are our kids excellent in their faith? Disturbing question for parents, me too. Are our kids excellent in our faith? How much time do we pour into our kids in the area of Christ compared to the seven-day calendar that we run on as we drive kids frantically from one place to the next because we want them to be successful? And, man, as I've started to kind of do my research and plan for the next three weeks, these things have been convicting me. I don't know how they can't. But it's not used as a stick to wield over everybody and say we've done a bad job. It's kind of a, hey, come on, let's get together. Let's see how we can work. Let's see what we can offer, and let's start anew. Let's figure these things out together. Let's let God figure these things out. You know, um, in regards to our, our kids, their biggest obstacles aren't how the school district's teaching human growth and development. That's not their biggest obstacle. It's not drug awareness or too much tech or internet or materialism or consumerism. Those aren't the big deals for our kids. I hope you can figure that out. The true obstacle is whether or not we, as a whole church, not just mom and dad, but we, the true obstacle is whether we whether we're modeling a life of Christ to the kids, to our kids. Are we modeling a life of obedience to our kids? Do our kids see us fail? Do our kids see us, you know, at our worst? But always repentant, always crawling back to God, always putting things in God's hand. Do they see that? Because those are the powerful things that they're going to draw on later in their life. You know, are we willing to rethink our priorities and our methodology when it comes to kids and our relationships with them? We have to be willing to rethink. We have to be willing to retool all the time. You know, in, in Revelation it says, I'm making all things new. He who sits on the throne says, I'm making all things new. We've got to be willing to, be a, to, to, to become anew ourselves. Um, you might be saying to yourself, my time to raise kids or work with uh, youth is way over. You might be saying, my own kids are a mess or I'm too far detached from the culture. But God is continually taking our life experiences of Christ's faithfulness and using them to bring hope to a younger generation that needs to see through our lives that Christ is real. Through our lives that Christ is real. What are we willing to do to help our kids become excellent in their faith? As a church, what are we willing to do to have kids become excellent in their faith? If you don't have a strong faith yourself, or if you haven't been a strong spiritual leader in your family, uh, this can seem like a daunting task. I'm sure it feels daunting to me every day, but it's never too late to start anew. And you know, our spiritual depth, what we have to offer our kids and others around us, it's directly proportionate to our relationship with Jesus. So if we don't have anything going on with Jesus, what do we possibly think 
we could have to offer anybody else. And man, for me, some days I have something to offer, and some days I have nothing, because my relationship with Jesus is erratic a lot of times, and I struggle with it. It's hard work, and I feel like a failure. And so nobody's like has it all to give and can just pour out continually. It's your time and your place. God knows, and he'll use you. We have to be willing to start anew. We need to look to Christ for the answers, not in the latest book or the latest study, but in Christ, his book, his study. C.S. Lewis said something I thought was really cool. Your real new self will come while you're looking, not while you're looking for it, but it'll only come when you're looking for Jesus. You want to find your new self? Don't go out and try to change everything about you. Go out and look for Jesus, and the new self will appear magically and mysteriously. The new self will appear as you go and follow hard after Christ. Kids not only need to hear about the great love of Jesus, they need to witness it firsthand through us. You know, the greatest thing I see in kids of all levels, all ages, um, they long to be loved as they are. Um, They long to spend time with us people in their families. Um, believe it or not, they really do desire leadership and direction and discipline and communication in their lives. And I think as parents, we don't necessarily try to detach from communicating properly with our kids or inflicting them with an unrealis- unrealistic set of rules or expectations. We don't try to do that. But you know, our schedules screw it up a lot of times. And daily life tends to get in the way of what's really important, we need to slow down. We need to be realistic. I want to show you a clip um, from one of my favorite uh, movies. It's a really deep spiritual clip, so prepare yourselves. It's from the very deep spiritual movie, Despicable Me. So let's take a look. As you can see, I have provided everything a child might need. All right. Uh, okay. As I was saying... Hey! Oh! Somebody broke that. Okay. Okay. Clearly, we need to set some rules. Rule number one. You will not touch anything. Uh-huh. What about the floor? Yes, you may touch the floor. What about the air? Yes, you may touch the air. What about this? Ah! Where did you get that? Found it. Okay, rule number two, you will not bother me while I'm working. Rule number three, you will not cry, or whine, or laugh, or giggle, or sneeze, or burp, or fart. So, no, no, no annoying sounds, right? Does this count as annoying? Very. I will see you in six hours. Okay, don't worry. Everything's going to be fine. We're going to be really happy here. Right? Agnes? Hmm? <laughs> you know, I, I love that character, Gru. Um, he's the big guy if you haven't seen it. I feel like Gru so many times. You know, think about all those rants that you've gone on in the past with young people and kids about what they will and won't do. And you know, it was interesting as I watched that clip, it showed me something. You know, on the wall, he had the signs. Uh, he had all the basics covered, right? 
a place to use the bathroom, apparently. <laughs> that was kind of funny. Um, water with an arrow and some food, whatever that food was. Uh, he had a list of really tough ground rules for everybody to follow. Um, and in his mind, that's what kids need. And he learns as the movie goes on, and we'll look at another clip later, that really that's not what kids need. And the clip demonstrates that we can provide all the comforts of life and all of those things to our kids. But if we, provide, if we fail to provide time listening and talking through the hard things, while at the same time helping younger people see a Christ-like worldview, then our kids and younger people never become excellent in their faith. I have never met a kid that didn't long to be loved by their parents, ever. The nicest clothing, the best car, the new iPhone, social freedom, whatever you want to be, none of those things can replace authentic relationship with younger people. Sometimes you have to go without to really find the good. Just giving somebody everything, I think that's more of a, it ruins people. But when you have to go without, when you have to swim in the deep water, like I said earlier, and you have to think through things, and you have to see around you what is and what isn't going so well, what you have and what you don't have, it makes us thinkers. It builds faith inside of us. You know, it's, I don't know if you caught the last thing he said, but as he was walking out the door, and this is the one thing I see as a big deal for kids these days, he said to the kids, I will see you in six hours. He throws them in there, I'll see you in six hours. And to me, in my life, the six hours usually means I'll see you when I'm home from work, whenever that is. To be sensitive to that. Um, we have to be sensitive to how we deal with people around us. Do we want our, our kids to see us as workaholics? Is that a good thing? No peace? Staying up late? Wheels always turning in their mind? Can't relax? Can't slow down? Anxiety? I don't think so. Because that doesn't demonstrate a real life of faith. Because Jesus says that when we find him and when he's the, the prevailing wind in our lives, that we'll have some peace. And I see kids and young people and young families more stressed out than I ever have. Because we're crazy. Like I said, I never met a kid that didn't long to be loved as they are. You know, we're so into change. We're so into being what God hasn't made us. And sometimes we have to look at our kids and, you know, I'm starting to realize this with four kids. They're different. <laughs> Isn't that funny that I'm just realizing that I have four kids and they have different personalities? And we go all the way, we, we swing on some days. Uh, some days, uh, the, the most pleasant can be the most, I don't even know what the word is. <laughs> and other days can be the sweetest. You know, they have different personalities and different things. Um, and, and, you know, I, my dad is a great source of wisdom for me, but I have to screen his wisdom because it can be harsh from time to time. And my dad's like, well, you've got to sit down with them and break them down. Break them down. And I'm like, what do you mean break them down? What does that mean? And he's like, no, not like break them down, like not like the Marines or anything, like, you know, don't break them down. You got to sit down with them and, and figure them out. Figure out each one. Break them down. And I'm like, oh, okay, I get it now. You know, I get where he's going. Break them down. I was like, oh my gosh. 
Is that what you did to us? <laughs> Sit down with them. Talk to them. Listen to them. Know what their favorite color is. Uh, know what their favorite, you know, what's their perfume? What do they like? And I was like, I'm not courting them. They're my daughters, you know. I, do I need all this? But as I thought about it, he was right. And I think what he was trying to say is, have a relationship, an individual relationship with each one of them. Don't go across the board and try to make everything the same because they're different. What a great lesson for us. Everybody in our life is different than we are. We kind of do have to break people down, not in the sense of hurting them, but sometimes we have to like sit down and listen and hear and learn and offer up some things and start relationship. Because where there is no relationship, there's no learning. So when we think about it, when we have this list of, of expectations for a younger generation, whether they're our kids or younger people, um, that is completely impossible, the rules and the standards can't be met, what it does, instead of uh, breeding a family bond or, a, or moving the church in the right direction, I think what it does is it, it creates doubt. And it diminishes the enthusiasm of people around because everybody's trying to live up to something that they're not. And, you know, I'm grateful that my Heavenly Father, He's given me in that song, was, it was perfect, the anthem today. Grace. My Heavenly Father has given me grace instead of a list of rules that I can't follow or a list of expectations that I can't possibly meet. He's given me grace through Jesus Christ. You may think your time for students has come or gone or that you've missed the golden window of opportunity with your own kids, but I want to encourage you that it is never too late to look around you, look at the younger people in your life, and invest in them. It is never too late. It'll come different from every person. Don't forget what God's taught you and me. Don't forget his faithfulness. And don't make it all about us and our great triumphs because we don't have anything to brag about. Make it about Christ and his great triumphs in our lives. And model that for the younger people and the kids in your life. And man, things will change around you. You'll be one of those saints that people want to spend time with. You'll be putting out the gospel through your story. I want to encourage you again, like, it's never too late. Um, in that C.S. Lewis quote, you know, your real new self will come not while you're looking for it. It will come when you look for Jesus. When you think about it, if we go out and start seeking Christ ourselves in a deeper way, let's ask him what he wants for us and the younger generations and the kids around us. Let's ask him what he wants. Let's not try to answer it today or come up with a list of action points. Let's ask him what he wants and be committed enough to listen for more than a day. And I bet in a short period of time, ministry opportunities will begin to pop up around all of us. Relationships will come to mind. Relationships with kids, with younger people, um, God might give you some great ideas of how you can help a younger generation. All those things will start to happen if we ask. Find your new self through Christ and ask him what he wants you to give to kids, to his students, and to his kingdom. What does he want? Amen? Amen. Thank you.